Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, I may never face the persecution that has taken the lives of many of your followers, but I pray for their strength and resolve when face-to-face with my own adversaries, be they external or internal, fortify me with courage and devotion. In your holy name I pray, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So the news story of the day, you know, you just can't make this stuff up. The largest uh, pornography website in the world, Pornhub, has um, taken a, a strange and, and dr- dramatic move because uh, Utah, the state of Utah, has... Uh, they're enforcing a new law that uh, would ban people under a certain age, so children, from getting on pornography sites. And so this pornography site has now blocked every Utah person from getting on their website. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know what kind of strategy this is, but it's a, it's a good thing. So if you live in Utah... You can no longer get on this website, whether you are underage or overage. Oh, praise the Lord. The enemy is eating his own tail, and I love it. So that's good news. You know, Monday was the feast of St. Joseph the Worker, and we kind of barely touched on it because we were speaking about the Medjugorje trip and all things that happened over there. But it is worthy to go back to because St. Joseph is such an important saint, And I want to go into um, this very interesting person a little bit. So, first of all, it's called St. Joseph the Worker. You must know that work is a good thing. If you remember, in the creation account, it says God spent six days creating all of creation. Of course, the crown jewel was mankind on the sixth day. And then on the seventh day, it says he rested he rested from his work. And of course, for God, this isn't really work. There's no labor involved. It's not strenuous for God. This is part of his nature to do this creation thing. But we call it work. The reading that day is from the uh, evangelist St. Matthew. And this is what it says. It says, Jesus came to his native place and taught the people in their synagogue. They were astonished and said, where did this man get such wisdom and mighty deeds? Is he not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother named Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Are not his sisters all with us? Where did this man get all this? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his native place and in his own house. And he did not work many mighty deeds there because of their lack of faith. So this is an interesting account. You have to you have to look carefully at what's going on here. Basically, they're saying, who does he think he is? Who does Jesus think he is? We know him. We know where he came from. And 
you know, it says he went to his native place and taught the people in their synagogue. And they're astonished, but not in a good way, kind of in a negative way. Is he not the carpenter's son? As the being a carpenter was such a bad thing. And, of course, they took offense at him. Now, today, uh, not today, but this day, we celebrate Monday, May 1st. May 1st is always St. Joseph the Worker. His title is the worker, not the talker, not the complainer, not the dissenter. He's the worker. And all throughout the Gospels, St. Joseph is mentioned in many accounts, but he never utters a single syllable. He says nothing. Uh, some would think maybe that he was mute. No, he wasn't mute. He was very focused on his task at hand. And the Gospels emphasize that the greatness of St. Joseph is not in words, but in active service. If you remember, Jesus would later on say, not anyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God, but only those who do the will of the Father. St. Joseph was always doing the will of the Father. He was always ready and willing to do and follow the will of God unconditionally. Unconditionally, 100%. And that's what made him so great and so pleasing in the eyes of God. It is right and just that he is honored with the title Universal Patron of the Church. So he's the universal patron over the whole church. Makes sense, right? If he was the guardian protector of Jesus when he was a baby and a little boy as the body of Christ, now he is the guardian protector over the mystical body of Christ, the church. And for us who live in the Diocese of Nashville, he's also the patron of this diocese. So we have a, a double reason to celebrate on May 1st. Okay. So you might wonder, why was he given this wonderful title? Why was he given this wonderful title? This universal patron of the church. Well... The, emperor, the answer is very simple. He was the one man entrusted by God with this great responsibility, perhaps the greatest responsibility on earth for all times. And namely, that is that he was making sure that God's greatest treasures are taken care of and protected. And those treasures are his incarnate son, Jesus, and the mother of Jesus, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the crown jewel of all of creation. And St. Joseph successfully fulfilled this task of his and uh, he completed it with perfect fidelity and humility these are two things that uh, are so pleasing to God fidelity to God and humility and Joseph had them both now there's a very interesting quote that's uh, from Blessed William Joseph Chaminade this is uh, the patron of the high school I went to and it clearly illustrates this point. And he said, to give life to someone is the greatest of all gifts. To save a life is the next. Who gave life to Jesus? It was Mary. Who saved his life? It was Joseph. Ask St. Paul who persecuted him. St. Peter who denied him. Ask all the saints who put him to death. But if we ask who saved his life, be silent patriarchs. 
Be silent prophets, be silent apostles, confessors, and martyrs. Let St. Joseph speak, for this honor is his alone. He alone is the savior of his savior. End quote. Isn't that an amazing title? The savior of his savior. Only one man can say that. St. Joseph. So of all the great and powerful men in the world, why St. Joseph? A symbol, simple man, a humble man, a carpenter. He's especially chosen by God for this most important task. He was not a witty speaker that we know of. He wasn't some erudite teacher. He wasn't a powerful king. He wasn't a wise philosopher, although I think he was very wise. So it, it is, in some regards, it's, it's mystery, because we don't have anything uh, to point to in regards to something that he he spoke or wrote. Now, we only have the actions of his life. But we do know that God chose Joseph because he was a good carpenter. He chose a carpenter. Why would God want his incarnate son to be known as the son of a carpenter of Nazareth? And we know he did because that's what he did. He chose him. So Jesus himself is the carpenter of the world uh, in the most excellent way. And here's, here's where we're going with this. Jesus chose to be a carpenter. He was raised uh, and taught by Joseph the tricks of the trade and uh, all the skills that you would need to be a carpenter. And this kind of should come as some kind of a surprise because all throughout his public ministry, all of his associates, all the people he chose, they were mostly fishermen and nobody was a carpenter. He stayed in Capernaum. This is a seaside town. And most of his preaching and miracles are all done in the areas surrounding the Sea of Galilee. And in his teachings, he used parables uh, about fishing and farming, almost all of them, you know, scattering the seeds, uh, the, the, the miracles he did with uh, Peter casting his net over the side of the boat. There was not one that had to do with carpentry. So Jesus chose to be known as a carpenter because it's the profession that expresses his mission much more vividly than that of the fisherman or the farmer. You see, the fisherman, he patiently waits for the fish to come near the boat. And the farmer, too, very patient occupation. He plants the seeds. He can uh, tenderly pray for them. But he has to wait for the sun and the rain to nurture the seeds until they pop through the soil and grow into a plant that gives fruit. The carpenter doesn't do that. He doesn't wait for the trees and lumber to come to him. No, he goes out. He finds the trees and he uses his hands and his tools to transform trees into beautiful pieces of furniture. And like the carpenter, Jesus, he doesn't wait for the people to come to him. He goes where they are. Almost every gospel, you know, kind of sums up his daily activity during his public ministry as saying he went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every illness and disease. And I would add driving out demons as well. Um, so when you consider these different occupations, the fisherman does not 
change the fish. The farmer doesn't transform the plant. No, they just catch the fish and harvest the fruit. They can't do anything with the fish and the plant. They, they just receive it. But the carpenter turns rough lumber into beautiful works of art and skill. And the aim of the carpenter is to build, not to destroy. And even if something is broken, the carpenter fixes it and brings it back to its original strength and beauty. Are you starting to see the analogy of why Jesus was a carpenter? So when we think of what Jesus did for humanity, it was very much the same thing. He's making the lame walk, the blind to see, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are even risen to life. He's transforming sinners into saints. And this really, this has always been his mission. He said, I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. We just had this this Sunday in the, the fourth Sunday of Easter gospel. So in short, the training of Jesus for his mission began in that humble carpenter shop of St. Joseph. And that's how uh, great Joseph's role is in the economy of salvation. And if you go back to the Old Testament and look at the Joseph that prefigured Jesus's uh, stepdad, we have Joseph, the son of Jacob. And what did Pharaoh order his people to do? He said, go to Joseph when they needed food. Go to Joseph. And next to the Blessed Mother, Joseph is probably the closest to Jesus. And, you know, the saints were aware of this. And they encouraged us to come to St. Joseph and ask for his help and also for his intercession. St. Thomas Aquinas, one, the, the great angelic doctor of the church, he said, it's true that the other saints enjoy great power in heaven, but they ask as servants and do not command as masters. St. Joseph, to whose authority Jesus was subject on earth, obtains what he desires from his kingly fostered son in heaven. And uh, Teresa of Avila uh, concurs with this. And she wrote, the Lord wants us to understand that just as he was subject to St. Joseph on earth, for since bearing the title of father, being the Lord's tutor, Joseph could give the child commands. So in heaven, God does whatever he commands. Uh, when we start, you see, when you start to ponder the life of such a, a wonderful person, you really start to get great insights about who he must have been. This is the person, the one person on the entire planet that would stand in place of God the Father to his son Jesus. Think about that. I mean... Who, who can say that, that they stood in place of God the Father in heaven on earth to raise the child Jesus? Only St. Joseph. So a great saint, a wonderful man, and a man of tremendous character. Tremendous character. And today, this is what is lacking in our culture. People are being raised without the moral fiber and character that we once had, you know? When I think about it, we always kind of think back to that greatest generation. You know, what's the greatest generation? Well, those are the, the, the men and women born, I would say, from 1900 up through the late 1920s. There's no kind of defined years, I would say, but it's that uh, turn of the century in the 1900s. 
And why do we call them the greatest generation? Well, they were different. These people were different. This, I hope the, the culture will swing back this way. I think we've swung too far uh, to the left. It's time to swing back to the right. Because um, many of the qualities in, in this great generation were also qualities that St. Joseph had. Um, this generation, uh, for the most part, were, were average people. They weren't highly um, wealthy. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the rich and famous. We're talking about the average person who, for the most part, was poor. This is the Great Depression and then the stock market crash in 29. And these people had to hunker down. And then, of course, we had the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Um, so there was, there was hardship. That's part of it. There was hardship. And for the most part, America hasn't really seen hardship in the last uh, five decades. I mean, 9-11 was a travesty. I'm not denying that. But it's nothing like what this generation went through. With, with uh, the famine, the depression, uh, the uh, world war, I mean, th they had trials that we haven't seen. I think we will see some of this again because, you know, history repeats itself. But they had characteristics uh, that I think everybody should desire. Uh, first of all, personal responsibility. You know, the harsh reality of the Great Depression forced many, many, many people to a higher standard of personal responsibility, even as young children. You know, even the young children were pitching in and helping their parents, taking care of the house, the farm, whatever. So personal responsibility. And this we see shrugged off today. Talk to somebody trying to hire people for uh, running a business. I have several friends who own restaurants in Nashville. Uh, one of them is a caterer, the other is a restaurateur. Good friend of mine, Willie. And these guys are telling me it's so hard to get people and to keep people. It's just, there's no personal responsibility anymore. People just don't wanna work. They wanna slide, they wanna coast. There's no, um, there's no uh, valor in that, you know? There's no chivalry in that. It's just, it's almost shameful to want to just coast along through life and have everybody else take care of you. The other thing these people had was great humility, as did Joseph. You know, because they had to live without quite a bit. And when you live without, you realize that you're not God. You're the creature, and God is the creator. And so humility uh, really comes as a result of living in hardship. People, you know, they very much and very quickly realize their situation. And, and it does humble people when they go through crisis on a, on a mass level of a whole country experiencing hardship. I would say the other thing, which I, I would also attribute to Joseph, is a good, a solid work ethic. Right? So a solid work ethic. Hard work enabled these people to survive uh, during both the war and the depression. And these were jobs that were really physically demanding with very long hours. Sometimes people say to me, oh, Father, you work so hard. Yeah, I do. I work hard and I don't turn down m most appointments if I, can, if I can make them. You know, I only have so many hours in the day. But like most of my day is sitting or standing on my feet. 
in air conditioning. Uh, I think of people like who tar roofs in August in the South, you know, like that's, that's hard work. That's labor. That's sweating, you know, dripping sweat off your brow. I don't do that. And I know that I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that. I don't think I could do those kind of jobs. I'm not made for that at this stage of my life. I, I'd have to have a severe overhaul to my health and exercise routine to get in shape to do that kind of work. Firemen who carry oxygen tanks and heavy hoses up stairwells in burning heat. You know, fire is creating a condition where the building is hundreds of degrees and you're sweating and you're charging up upward, upstairs. You know, these are these are jobs that require tremendous amounts of uh, a, a really serious work ethic. But you can have a work ethic even if you're not in, enduring heavy labor. You know, scientists, professors, uh, people who uh, study to learn and teach. Whatever you're doing, you can do it really well, and you can have a good work ethic in order to do the best that you possibly can. Another trait of these people was their frugality. They were savers. Why were they savers? Because they experienced being poor during the Depression, and they weren't sure when the next meal was coming. They weren't sure when the next job opportunity was coming, so they saved. They uh, scrapped together their little pennies in jars and bins, and they saved. There was a motto at the time. It was use it up, fix it up, make it do, or do without. That was the motto of the day. You would hardly hear that come across any lips of the Gen X or Z folks. They wouldn't even know what it means. You know, and I'm not slamming the young kids. It's just that it's just a different time. The fascination with the phones and their face <laughs> and taking pictures of their face um, seems to eclipse all other things. Uh, another uh, character, a great character, was their commitment. One job from almost their entire lives. This is unheard of today. But back then, people had one job their whole life, mostly. They also had one wife or husband their whole life, mostly. Can we say that about today? We sure can't. So the commitment level was very high. Of course, St. Joseph, 100% committed. And then, of course, integrity. People actually valued honesty and trustworthiness. Today, I don't even know if it is anymore. You know, I, I recently heard about uh, there was a deal made. I don't even know if I should say this on the air. But the cathedral, our cathedral in Nashville, back in the day, when it, when it was built, they had uh, a parking lot that uh, was owned by Vanderbilt University, and they had a handshake agreement that on Sundays the church could use the uh, parking lot for free. Well, of course, times change. Uh, the handshake was tossed, and nobody had a contract in writing, and so that all went away, you know? Gone are the days of honoring a handshake. But uh, integrity, it's, a, it's something we should look for in our friends and try to cultivate in our families and our children. And finally, I would say one of the last and probably one of the greatest uh, qualities of this generation and also of St. Joseph is self-sacrifice, right? This is uh, the core 
of the Catholic religion, self-sacrifice. And who did it first and best was Jesus Christ. He did it best. Nobody could give the sacrifice he gave, but we can imitate him in, the, in our lives, in our everyday encounters with people. We can, uh, in humility, defer when we don't need to get our way, when it's not imperative. Um, we can sacrifice for the, the greater good in, in situations. You know, back then, millions of people were sacrificing to defend the country and support the war effort back home. Women, remember Rosie the Riveter? Uh, the women were off to work because the men were fighting in the war. Uh, so the whole country was engaged in the greater good, which was de defeating the evil. Oh, how our church needs this today. We need to all be banding together, fighting the common enemy, the devil, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, and working together through the head of the church, Jesus Christ, for the common good, eternal salvation for all. That's the mission. And if we would have these qualities that would be brought about in people, personal responsibility, humility, a hard work ethic, frugality, commitment, integrity, self-sacrifice, these are the things that will build up a great nation. And they will also build up a great culture. And I might say it'll also build up a great church. So thoughts to ponder today about the greatest generation and St. Joseph. This is Father Dan, and I'll be back with you tomorrow. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great day. I am signing off.